0: Imagine yourself in a cold, damp cellar. You've been told to work on the plumbing down there, and the space is a little bit more claustrophobic than you expected. The cold stone walls come together in this small corner, and you hear the water dripping from the bare metal pipes as you see a spider scurry across your wrench. But then you hear something else, something different. A trumpet? but the sound seems to be coming from the walls. You turn your ear towards the wall, trying to understand what could possibly make that sound. When suddenly, a man steps through the wall. He's wearing a golden helmet with a horsehair plume coming out of it. As you continue watching, more and more men emerge from the wall, but you don't stick around to see much more. You've just seen the Roman ghost soldiers of York and you run out of that cellar as fast as you can.
1: In Viking times, a thing was a gathering, a place where leaders and warriors could meet and talk.
0: In the 21st century, our thing is a virtual place where history academics and enthusiasts from around the world can come together to share knowledge. We're your hosts, Miranda Schmiderer
1: and Lucas Norton. So hold on to your helmets for this episode of that Jorvik Viking Thing podcast.
0: Welcome back to the podcast. For the ominous month of October, we'll be delving into all things creepy and spooky. We'll talk about ghosts, magic, curiosities, Viking zombies, and even more hair-raising history. But first, on today's episode, we'll be discussing one of the most popular ghost stories in York, the Roman ghosts of Minster Yard, and then we'll talk about the most famous Roman legion to completely disappear from history, the Ninth Legion, Hispania. In 1953, in the cellar of the Treasurer's House here in York, a young plumber named Harry Martindale was tasked with installing a new boiler to replace the antiquated coal-powered system that the last owner, Frank Green, had installed. The area he needed to work on was through a low, brick-lined tunnel, effectively cutting him off from the rest of the house as he worked in the dark, damp area. Part of the stone flooring had already been removed in an earlier project, cutting down to the Roman layer of York. A section of the Roman road that ran up from the fortress was revealed here, only a mass of cobblestones and dirt now. Harry rested the base of his ladder on these cobblestones as he worked on the pipes above. After nearly four hours of work, a horn sounded through the cellar. It was a distant noise, and though it was strange that the sound had managed to reach him in this remote part of the house, Harry thought it was simply a brass band playing nearby and thought nothing of it. That is, until he heard the trumpet sound again. This time it was louder, like it was closer to him now, and it was very clearly not a brass band. Not a modern one, at least. As he stared at the gray brick wall beside him, A man stepped into the cellar, no not stepped, he marched into the cellar. He was dressed in a simple tunic underneath a metal chest plate with a plumed helmet on his head and he was blowing a curved trumpet. As the soldier marched across the cellar, Harry looked down and saw that the soldier seemed to be walking through the floor, not on top of it. His legs were only visible from the knee up as if he marched on a floor several inches below but as Harry stared at the soldier, the sound of marching footsteps and horse hoofs filled the cellar. From the same wall the trumpeter had emerged from moments ago now came a horse, stepping in time to the trumpet, followed by twenty more soldiers, walking in columns of two. They were dressed in green woven kilts, carrying a round shield in their left arm and a long wooden spear in their right hand. At their right side rested a short sword in a scabbard and to Harry, they looked tired, dirty, and a little more than scruffy. Neither the soldiers nor the horse paid any mind to Harry as they marched through the cellar, keeping time with the pace the trumpeters set, but the greatest shock for Harry was when he watched them cross over the area where the modern flooring had been cut away. The horses and soldiers were marching on top of the Roman cobblestones. He stared at them as they passed through a far wall, disappearing as quickly as they had appeared. Harry sat in shock. Staring at the wall near the cobblestones, long after the footsteps and trumpeting had faded away. A drop of water splashed on his head, bringing him back to reality. He quickly packed up his tools and fled the cellar, bumping into the curator of the treasurer's house as he reached the top of the stairs. The curator took one look at poor Harry, heaving as he tried to catch his breath, and said, By the look of you, you've seen the Romans. And that's it for the famous Roman ghost story of York. Whether or not it's really ghosts is for you to decide. But what we do know is that York is absolutely steeped in Roman history. Most famously, the 9th Legion Hispania was based here. Legio I.X. Hispania, also known as the 9th Legion, was a legion of the Imperial Roman Army that existed from the 1st century BC to at least 108 AD. The Legion fought in various provinces of the late Roman Republic and early Roman Empire. It was stationed in Britain following the Roman invasion of 43 AD. Shortly after 108 AD, the legion completely disappeared from surviving Roman record, and there is no conclusive account of what happened to them. And this is the last place that historians can confidently say that they were before they completely vanished from the record. To learn more about this historical mystery, we spoke to Graham Harris of the Roman Bath Museum here in York. Here's my conversation with him.
2: It's an intriguing story, isn't it? Yeah. I spoke to Harry Martindale mm-hmm. before he died. He knew what he saw. Did you, yeah. huh? They came out of the wall, horses as well. Yeah. A trumpet and everything. But they, they never noticed him, just walked straight through. Yeah. Um, and of course, the 18 inches beneath, so they were walking on the original floor level.
0: The first thing, I guess, that we'll ask then <clears throat> is, for the people who aren't familiar with Roman history at all, what is a Roman legion?
2: Well, it, it's the most important bit of the Roman army, they're the, they're the guys that, um, that defended the empire and they're the guys that won it. 5,000 men in a legion and attached to them were another 5,000 of what are called auxiliary troops, who were sort of the second rate guys. <laughs> and at any given time there were around 30 to 33 legions. So you've got 5,000 men in a legion and about another 5,000 auxiliaries. Wow. And they're the guys that won the Roman Empire.
0: It's not as big as you would expect for all that they conquered, you know? Uh, Obviously, you said 33 legions, but we're today talking about the Ninth Legion specifically. Why has the Ninth Legion really captured people's imagination? What makes them so special?
2: (laughs) It's the disappearance, the so-called disappearance. But they were one of the very crack legions of the Roman Empire. And then they came to Britannia and they got unlucky, (laughs) didn't they? They invaded in 43 AD. Caesar had um, a a go at it. He had a stab at it in 55 and 54 BC, uh, but for various reasons he gave up on it. But then the Emperor Claudius got his chance, and in 43 AD he he thought, what can I do? I need to do something better than Caesar, the famous Caesar. I'll invade Britain and I'll stay, and he did. And they invaded in 43 AD with originally four legions. The ninth was one of those legions, uh, and eventually they, they honed it down to three legions. So there were three legions in Britain during the, uh, during the Roman occupation. They were here for over 350 years. And the ninth were one of them. And, of course, they got, we'll say, unlucky, because things didn't quite go their way. They got um, beaten up by Boudicca. We all know who Boudicca was. We uh, do. <laughs> in 60 or 61 A.D., The general consensus is that they lost half the legion, so about 2,000 troops. Wow. And then what happened to them? Well, um, they ended up in Lincoln, and then in uh, 71 they came from Lincoln, crossed the Humber, Brough, uh, and built this fortress, Ibracum in York, where we are now, of course.
0: So we have a couple of artifacts that has their emblem stamped on it, what were they doing why was it why was their emblem stamped all over everything what was their day to day kind of like
2: oh they yeah, they always stamped their put the name on everything <laughs> yeah you so were they, were they were well. they like
0: building things then i guess were they making yeah the original
2: and... the, the original fortress was in wood right that's what they always did and then after around about 30 years they they rebuilt it in stone that's the romans saying we're here mm-hmm. and we're here to stay we're not going anywhere but soldiers weren't just soldiers, you know, they were mm-hmm. craftsmen, they, they, would, um, they would do the building themselves. Mm-hmm. They would be leather workers and uh, metal workers and they could, they'd build the roads themselves, you know, so you weren't like modern armies, you know, you're not fighting all the time, so you have to keep you busy. I, I, I try and imagine what it was like for the locals. So 5,000 troops arrived, the 9th Legion in this case, in this area. Mm-hmm. The high ground, the glacial moraine between two rivers, perfect for a fortress. And then suddenly, not quite suddenly, but suddenly there's this 50-acre building right in the middle of their land, you know? And what on earth were they thinking of? You know, these guys are from the moon. And, of course, the way Roman soldiers looked, they're very blingy, aren't
0: they? know?
2: <laughs> yes. As opposed to the Vikings. Yeah. Um, with all that shiny, glitzy stuff. And when they marched, you could hear them coming from miles away. You know, they weren't worried about that. They weren't worried about stealth quite so much. And so when the ninth arrived here, it must have been a bit of a shock for the locals, to say the least.
0: I'm sure, yeah. Wouldn't have been like anything they'd ever seen before, I imagine.
2: Absolutely.
0: So one of the things that they've kind of like left their mark on is a stone inscription that's currently in the Yorkshire Museum that says yeah. that um, the Ninth Legion was here in 108 AD, it says. Yeah. Um, it's very famous for being the last official kind of mark of them, I suppose. For now. Yeah, well, for now, exactly. So what happened after 108 AD, do we think?
2: Who you talk to. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great mystery, isn't it? I think that the answer to the mystery lies beneath our feet here in mm-hmm. York. You know, we've, we've excavated 3% of Roman York, it's so far down. Wow. Average is about 4 metres, 12, 13 feet. So there's lots of evidence still as to what happened. Uh, there'll be epitaphs, um, stamps, tile stamps, skeletons. Mm-hmm. All still down there. So we will find out what happened to them, I'm sure. and um, the, the answer isn't in the written word. It, it's in the, the evidence beneath the ground in York. Yeah. But probably not in my lifetime. Yeah, 108, back end of 108, actually, I mean, it was December, it was Emperor Trajan. So they can, they can actually date that specifically. The 6th Legion arrived around 122 with the Emperor Hadrian. So something happened to the 9th between 108 and 122. But again, it depends who you talk to. My theory is that they, they went up north at some stage, maybe about 118 AD, mm-hmm. and they got beaten up. They might not even have been at full strength again, you know, after the Boudicca episode. And whatever was left of them, I throw in 500, mm-hmm. came back down here to Ibarakum. Mm-hmm. And then when the 6th the Legion came over with Hadrian in 122, legions were always short... Never at full strength. Yeah. And so they soaked up what was left of the ninth into the sixth. That
0: makes sense.
2: Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. So that that's my theory, but yet to be proven. I'm right, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah. Of, of, course, course. of course, of course, yeah.
2: They, they have found evidence of ninth Legion officers and, and troops in various parts of the world. Some people have said there are evidence for the ninth going off east. They've found some bits and pieces in Nijmegen in, in, in Holland. Yeah, they found some tile stamps and evidence of an officer, a Roman officer, from the Ninth Legion. But that doesn't mean that the Ninth Legion suddenly went from Britain to what was then Gaul. The Ninth Legion would have been all over. The bits of, of the Ninth Legion would have been all over the Roman Empire. The Middle East is another place that the historians, some historians, say they could have been. I just... I like the story because it gets people interested in the Romans.
0: It does, it, it certainly does, yeah. yeah.
2: And it's intriguing. And of course, the, the tale that we all know, the ghost tale of Harry Martindale, that little lad, apprentice plumber, falling off his ladder, because that would have been the Ninth Legion. Uh, and as he explained it, I think there would have been auxiliary troops by what he explained.
0: So, so you do think it was the Ninth Legion that he saw then?
2: Most people agree with that. The way that they were, they were dressed. Yeah, they'd been out on patrol.
0: Because I think um, what I, one of the things I read was saying that they, um, what he described was quite a particular type of, of uniform and everything. So would it have been what the Ninth Legion probably was wearing? Well,
2: the in- intriguing thing is the color of the tunics.
0: Did he say they were green? Green. Yeah.
2: We don't know.
0: Well, yeah, fair. We
2: really don't know. There's no evidence. There's some hints on uh, on statues and things, but we don't really know. But yeah, he said green, which most—if you see most uh, reenactors nowadays—they wear reds. They yeah. Make, but uh, there are some that, that do wear green. But that was intriguing, yeah. Uh, and he, he pointed out that the sword was on the right hip, which, is, we know, that. Because your shield's in your left hand, so you draw your sword with your right hand.
0: Yeah.
2: And lots of things, yeah, that, that would suggest, I don't know, probably first first century, so Ninth Legion time that mm-hmm. they were here. Did they look foreign? You know, I don't, don't know, he never said. Did they look Spanish? And
0: well, yeah, because... The Roman Empire was everywhere, weren't they? So they North
2: might have African. had, yeah, exactly, African soldiers. In th- North African, they, yeah. yeah, they would have they looked pretty exotic. I mean, Ibrahim at the time, you you go into the, if you were to go into the civilian settlement at the other side of the river, around the Micklegate area, mm-hmm. the sounds, the smells, the voices, the accents,
0: wonderful.
2: It would have been so exotic. Yeah. You know, the Romans brought all this... To Britain.
0: It would have been quite a multicultural place, really, wouldn't it? And it's, that's much. not necessarily what people. Imagine when they think of what you know a Roman settlement would have looked like, but if, but yeah. of course they had they had people stationed all over the world, really, didn't they? And they did. So it, it stands to reason that those same people would be here.
2: Yeah, very few of the soldiers, that very few of the Ninth Legion would have been Roman. Yeah, from Rome. Yeah. Per se, there weren't enough Romans to go around. No, no, fair enough. <laughs>
0: well, and you were saying they were here for hundreds of years, so I imagine these...
2: well over three hundred fifty years. Well, it's so these now, these anymore. Roman
0: soldiers probably never saw Rome you know, which is... Yeah,
2: a lot of them would have um, settled here, mm-hmm. you know, with the, um, all the legions, including the Ninth, You signed up for 25 years, if you made it, they end up here, and plenty did. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you were made, really, as long as the arthritis didn't get to you. Okay. You know, you, you'd get a plot of land from the government, some cash, you could set up a... You, know, you might have specialised in leatherworking, you could set up a leatherworking shop, a shoe shop or something, in you know, over, over in the civilian settlement. And there is... Modest evidence that come 410, which is the date that they say the Romans were supposed to have left, that um, some of them wouldn't have left at all. You know, well, mean, yeah. again, this three percent that we've. Uh... We've excavated in York. There'll be a lot, lot of evidence, I'm sure, that the Romans never really, some of the Romans never really left York.
0: Well, yeah, I suppose it's that this is the place they knew their entire life, so what would they have, yeah. you know, left for if, if, if this is their home, you know?
2: Which means there's still some of the Ninth Legion around us. You could walk down Cornish Street on a Saturday and maybe you pass passing an ancestor of the Ninth Legion, legionary soldiers. <laughs>
0: Do you expect that, because obviously we've hopefully got this big Roman dig coming up in the next year or so, do you think we might find any evidence of the Ninth Legion there?
2: I would hope so. I mean, the the dig is is in the civilian part of town. It's on the banks of the Ouse. But that doesn't mean to say, you know, you won't find anything military Mm -hmm. over there. And the soldiers weren't allowed to marry the Ninth, but, you know, they had unofficial families, and that's where they would have been. Mm So, I would hope so. I, I, I can't wait. Personally, <laughs> the River Ouse was quite a bit wider then and about 10 foot lower. So, we're going to find the, the banks of the Ouse and, and then the bridge, yeah. which is very important. We'll find out how wide the bridge and how big the bridge was because mm-hmm. there's only one bridge in, in Roman times. So, that would be intriguing, but that's going to add to our 3%. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, why not? Yes yeah let's let's find the boys from the ninth anything anything at all a tile stamp you know with the ninth legion on mm-hmm. it, it could be one x yeah or it could be x i i i i found uh, found it done both ways
0: right
2: i said x i did, i i i I I. I didn't mean v i i i there we go spot the deliberate mistake listeners <laughs>
0: Well, that's amazing. Is there anything else you feel like our listeners should know about the Ninth Legion?
2: It's just an important part of our modern Yorkies history.
0: Yeah.
2: History's important because you need to know what ladder your foot is on, what rung Mm -hmm. of the ladder your foot is on and how your ancestors and the people who walked this place 2,000 years ago, uh, what rung of the ladder they were on. And living in a place like York how can you not want to hear the voices mm-hmm. of these people mm-hmm. through the things that they left the artefacts the writings these were very people were very much like us they, mm-hmm. they had similar worries and, and, and similar hopes and these were the people who walked this very spot nearly 2000 years ago uh, and we, all, we have to stop and listen to the voices but the thing to push with the ninth is that it's The answer to their disappearance is down there.
0: Yeah.
2: It it will be, they will find something that shows the ninth still be here.
0: A very special thanks to Graham Harris for being our guest and to Zap Splat for the use of their sound effects. You can also learn more from Graham by visiting his museum, the York Roman Bath Museum, one of York's oldest attractions. You can step underground to see the remains of Roman York, or Ibarakum as it was called then. Discover what life was like for soldiers who lived and worked here, and why a visit to the Baths was so important. If you'd like to learn more about archaeology, then come visit DIG, an archaeological adventure, where you can learn how to be an archaeologist, take part in a replica DIG, and see a selection of fascinating artifacts from throughout York's history. To book your tickets, you can go to digyork.co.uk.
1: Don't forget to rate and review That Jorvik Viking Thing podcast on your podcast app, and if you enjoyed the show, share us with a friend. It's the best way to help support your favourite history podcast. To contact us for more information or ideas for future episodes, you can email us on podcast at yorkat.co.uk. Thanks for listening to That Jorvik Viking Thing podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other major podcast platforms.
0: That Yorvik Viking Thing podcast is a production of the Jorvik Group and York Archaeology, hosted by Miranda Schmiederer and Lucas Norton.
1: Researched by Lucas Norton, produced by Miranda Schmiederer, Lucas Norton, and Gareth Henry.
0: Sound designed and edited by Miranda Schmiederer.